0: From this to this. This is Livable City, a regular podcast guiding us on a journey to more human places. I'm your host, Jim Hodap. I'm excited you're here to learn, to listen, and to lead. Welcome back to Livable City. Uh, just as a reminder, my name is Jim Hodap and I am the host of Liverpool City. I'm really excited for this first real episode here, um, as I've got a really special guest, a good friend of mine and former coworker. Alan LaSage. Very special. Thank you, Jen, for having me on. So uh, for those of you who are listening, um, what's special about this episode besides Alan, of course, being the special guest is uh, he's going to be interviewing me and he's going to be asking me about uh, my story a little bit and how we got to this place of a livable city creating it. Um, But first, I want to go into a little bit of uh, Alan's thoughts and, and a little bit of his background. So why did I why did I bring
1: him here and yeah. why is he interested in this? Yeah. So uh, Jim and I are old friends and we used to work together, uh, software engineers, and we traveled a good deal together. Um, you know, and he's been talking about this for a long time. And uh, you know, one of the things Jim has asked me in the past is what makes a city livable. So uh, we both live here in Chicago, and uh, I recently bought a two-flat, which is like a little apartment building in Lincoln Square here on the North Side. And uh, I'm one of these fools who buys a fixer-upper and moves in before it's really habitable. Um, But, you know, I don't mind. I like it and I love living there um, because I think it's important to understand the history of buildings and places where you live. Um, And I'm talking about history, uh, you know, the history of neighborhoods. And I'm not talking about, like, you know, what was happening here 10 years ago. It's really like how do people live together? Uh, in the same place going back hundreds of years and i think that when we cease to really remember our history and live in that kind of historical space is when kind of you know the negative things of the city uh, start to happen so i agree with jim and a lot of his uh, outlook and it's super fun to be participating in the podcast thanks for having me on jim
0: no worries glad to have you alan Um, So you talked about your two flat and before I have Alan um, turn the table here and interview me, I just want to ask him a few questions. Um, But what, you know, what about that historic uh, nature of of like your two flat and the neighborhood that you live in is really appealing to you? And what, what about an older historic part of a city really makes it livable
1: to you? I'm really super lucky. I mean, I live in, really a very nice neighborhood in Chicago. And uh, if I look out my window, you know, I see a a public park with a play lot for kids. Um, It's very green. Um, You know, and there's a little commercial district just a few blocks away where I can do my shopping and so on. So all of those kind of check marks for livable cityness are, um, you know, it's easy for me to check off. And then, you know, more importantly, I can see um, in the You know the building, uh, a so-called two-flat. It's kind of a—I don't think it's a uniquely Chicago Chicago pattern, but it's one that you see a lot here. Where it's really the size of a single-family home, but you would have uh, it's split level so that there's uh, two and sometimes three apartments stacked on top of each other. So I have two, you know, two-bedroom apartments, and it's kind of like um, in the 20s when my building was built. You know it was sort of like a destination home for people who worked you know jobs not far away and now it has the function of being kind of like a you know a small family can live there and it's really enough space for anyone not in my house yet because i had it's not rentable yet but the, in you know my neighbor's house it's like uh, two small families of uh, varying ages you know and the neighborhood has a great diversity of different kinds of families um, you know, it's livable because I look out my window and I sort of see this is the this is the livable city kind of dream of, um, you know, everyone living together.
0: So you, you would say, like, the form of what that two-flat looks like, how it's constructed, how it was set in the street, how things were situated around, like, uh, uh, shopping nodes and stuff like that. Is that is that part of, like, what's historic about it that makes it pretty livable to you?
1: So, yeah, I mean, it's all right there. I live right across from a uh, school Um, You know, both an elementary school and a uh, high school, Um, you know, shopping is close by, Um, you know, the neighborhood evolved that way. And, you know, it sort of uh, happened organically, which I find interesting. Nothing really mandated that this uh, two flat pattern become what it is, except that it's not tenement housing like that is, uh, you know, at some point there were laws against such. And so it's really just enough space. So, uh, you know, from where we sit right now, I feel it feels like a road away from uh, Lincoln Square because um, we're at uh, the top of a high rise building in River North. You know, we see the skyscraper. It's, it's dusk, uh, you know, very pretty uh, city lights uh, twinkling at us. Um, and I'm remembering, Jim, a time when you were just thinking about moving here. You know, we were both working from home, living in different cities. Uh, you were living in, in Indianapolis. Is that right? Yeah, that's right. And uh, at, for a while you lived, you lived here just for a few months uh, in Streeterville and you were thinking about making the move and then ultimately you did. And I'm very pleased that you um, decided to come up here and I am too. Yeah. Great
0: city. Let me give you a little bit of backstory before we get there. Yeah, so I, I came to Chicago by way of growing up in Milwaukee and, uh, and then going to university in, in Indianapolis. And um, you know those are very similar sized cities. Um, that were very good, right? So I grew up in the suburbs of Milwaukee, and then I lived basically a little bit of suburban Indy, um, but mostly downtown and midtown. Um, so for Indianapolis, quite, quite urban. Um, and, you know, it's like it, it reflects uh, a journey of my own maturity and what I value over time. And ultimately, you know, that just kept going. Um, at one point, you know, I said, I really need. I really need a bigger city. I need some more people, more interactions. I work from home, and that's what Chicago provided. So,
1: I mean, I'm of the same, uh, you know, uh, you know, I'm from St. Louis, and so uh, Chicago kind of functions as a mecca uh, for people like us who are, you know, wanting to be part of this larger community of people. Yep. So that makes sense. Yep. Lots of opportunities. So in Indianapolis, then, um, you know, I know that you. Own some property there, and uh, you seem pretty well set. And I'm um, not so much about the specifics, but what were your impressions of Indy? What made it what made it a livable city in itself?
0: Going back uh, when I first got there, so like I said, I, I I got to Indianapolis for university. So I went to an awesome university there in, in mid Indianapolis called Butler University. Um, I was enamored with it beautiful campus. You know, it's got the, that old, like, mansion-style neighborhood from, like, the early 1900s uh-huh. um, and that. And just beautiful, right? Something to aspire to, uh, especially for somebody having grown up in the suburbs. And, uh, you know, Indianapolis was great then. But then, you know, I, I stayed there because of work um, and...
1: Uh, That's right. The company was in Indianapolis proper. That's what I'm remembering.
0: It was, yeah. So it was a startup with one of my professors uh, from engineering who offered me a job right out of school, and so Indy was very comfortable to me. But you know, I really first started noticing um, what I call urbanish stuff in Indy because it uh, it's a city that's not too unlike um, Detroit in many respects, um, or you know, many other Rust Belt cities in the United States. It's struggling. Um, in many respects it's lost a lot of factory jobs it's lost a lot of people a huge percentage of population right and uh, I I mean
1: I think you see that in all the these these rust belt kind of smaller cities where yeah it's comfortable for people who are really making a living but then there are all these sort of signs of infrastructure that are maybe crumbling or you know yeah um, losing population and so on lots of decay yeah I understand I mean I'm from St. Louis and I being from a relatively affluent part of it, I didn't really experience as much of the, um, you know, the urban decay of the '70s or whatever it was. Um, but you know, that's uh, how to say it. Just comes with the history, I think, of like how those economies have changed, right? Absolutely. And things are feel a little different here and where we are, right? But uh, in Chicago. Uh, but that doesn't mean that Indianapolis is not, like, a viable place.
0: Yeah, exactly. No, and I, I, I discovered lots of little pockets of uh, very livable um, parts of the city that are doing quite well economically. And, you know, infrastructure-wise, a lot of the stuff was new. And, you know, like this last weekend, actually, Indianapolis just launched an amazing new uh, bus rapid transit system, which uh-huh. Chicago doesn't even have, right? So it's it's got some things going for it, just on a smaller scale. Right. But still, I I couldn't help but notice some issues, Um, especially it was, you know, in the details, it was very different than Milwaukee. Um, And I wanted to know why.
1: At some point, you, I mean, you actually got involved. Um, You know, you you were talking about uh, participating in uh, uh, these kind of meetup communities, um, you know, talking about urban issues and so on. Uh, Strong towns, wasn't there a visit? Tell me a little bit about your history with that organization.
0: Yeah, so for those not familiar with it, Strong Towns is a fantastic organization, movement. Um, It started out of uh, Brainerd, Minnesota with Chuck Marone. And Chuck came to speak in Indianapolis in the old City Hall in the fall of 2014. And, you know, at that point, so much frustration with Indy had pent up within me. I was looking for some answers. I couldn't find anything that was really... Uh, satisfying to me on explaining you know why is indie crumbling why are they not doing high quality building design why are they not doing high quality building construction why are they not um, building the roads better and you know etc there's a there's a lot but Chuck brought in this narrative which um, was a light bulb moment for me and um, that was like the first real intoxicating uh, moment um in my um wow. urban history that just lit me on fire i had to find out more
1: uh-huh so this is a this is a group um you know arriving to uh see, witness this talk and was there was there a community already formed uh, around strong towns in indy
0: uh no actually um and uh once i realized what this group was so i would already been reading the blog and that's kind of how i knew um, that uh, chuck was coming mm-hmm. to speak um, but you know, I got I got together a few friends to go with me because you know I was still pretty shy back then, didn't want to go alone. Um, and I was glad I did. So I had a few people to talk about this afterwards. Um, but it really wasn't until like two years later, about 2016, that I really dabbled with creating a local incarnation of Strong Towns, so a huh. local group. And um, I just uh, basically created a Meetup.com um, site group and created like 15 questions that I wanted to ask it's like for like a you know however many people showed up smaller uh-huh. or large group for all I knew um, type of uh, conversation and advertised it for like a month ahead of time uh, just through like hey you know I'm doing this thing you want to come hmm. we're gonna meet at the local city market um, at Tomlinson tap room and we're gonna get some beers and we're gonna talk about city and see if anybody else cares I mean, about this city yeah, yeah. and loves it awesome um, and Lo and behold,
1: like 25 people showed up. Yeah. So it turned out that everyone else really did want to talk about this. They just have a venue, uh, you know, to talk about these uh, urban issues.
0: Yeah, exactly. It turns out people were quite passionate about Indianapolis and really frustrated with the potential that they they knew um, was possible, but was not being realized. So that's what motivated them.
1: Can you give a, oh, I don't know, a sampler of a few, a few of the questions you might have asked on your meetup? Um, sure. Like, um, you know,
0: what is Indianapolis's biggest problem to you? Why do you think the streets are decaying? You think Indianapolis has fundamental budget issues? You know, why, why are some of the basics left not maintained? You know, why do the buildings look the way they do? Why do the streets look the way they do? Hmm. Have you thought about these things?
1: So when you uh started this meetup group, you know, naturally it was really about uh, being social and you know, you gathered a group of people. Did you have an idea that you would want to do something specific in terms of action, you know, resulting from this?
0: Um, I did and I didn't. So I didn't know exactly what we would be capable of doing. I was beginning to become aware of like things like um like uh street activism right you could come out and um put out some hay bales to calm the streets and um um, put out cones or or like you know have people stand there and remind drivers to slow down things like that right temporary things to prove points but no i really didn't i my main goal was a I'm frustrated. I'm tired of just commenting on local, like, right, sick and tired. Uh, business journal comment sections for Indy um, about what's wrong with the city. And I just want to take action and gather a group of people and find out what happened. Gotcha.
1: So it's, uh, to begin with, you know, you started trying to move things through the internet just by commenting on, uh, like, local news stories. But then the yep. only real way to get things started is to get other people, you know, in a conversation is, what was your goal. Exactly. So we, I know that you're focused a lot, or at least in, in that moment, on transportation issues. And what were some of the problems that you saw at that at that time that you wanted to redress?
0: Indy's very sprawled out with a very low population density. And, you know, that presents some like unique challenges about Indy. So you need a car really to get around Indy for the most part, unless you live in a few very lucky places that are walkable. Uh, as a result, right there, there's a lot of places where sidewalks are missing. Um, there's a lot of things you can't even walk to, or you wouldn't even walk. You wouldn't even want to walk to, right? Because it's a pretty miserable experience. I wanted to like affect how people get around, right? Like call into question: Does everybody in Indy really need to own a car? Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's we, a bus system. Like, can we make better use of that?
1: Right. How to improve it? Your interest in transportation issues. Then um, you at some point. You know, that has to be a political uh, process. Like you have to get involved in the council or did you have a, I mean, there were specific actions you were able to take to kind of express the Strong Town's agenda.
0: You know, we got involved with some very, very localized things that were about advancing Indy and its livability. right? So I, I personally wanted to see much more walkable style developments uh, developed downtown, right? So Indy's got a very compact downtown. It's a the main part of it is literally a square mile and that's how that's how the original architect of the city um made it designed it and so uh this there's one one development in particular in a historic neighborhood just outside of that um a square mile a square, that uh that was really strong and you know i uh, i and the group got involved with him so um i originally had lunch with him just kind of say hey Really interested in your development. The plans look good. Can you tell me more about yourself? Like, what are your intentions for this development in the neighborhood? What are your intentions with my neighborhood? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and they were good, it turns out. I didn't need my baseball bat. Um, <laughs> and uh, he uh, he was awesome. Um, so I decided our group would advocate for him, and, and the rest of the group uh, agreed with it too. So we went to the city council meetings. We went to uh, – Indy has a historic preservation commission Went before them. That's that's actually where we spent most of the time, uh-huh. and there were a strong group of people of uh, voices from that neighborhood that were against this development, saying it was too tall, even though it was five stories, um, and too massive, and uh, too much retail, even though it had like one corner was retail, mm. um, and uh, that's really like where our group cut cut our teeth on. Right, so uh-huh. we figured out, hey, we're at the very least very good advocacy organization. For local change right and we had no problem it turned out saying you know this is a strong development the strong indie would get behind um, or ones that we would actually say nope we're actually gonna be against it and here's why not just to be against it but make it very clear about how it doesn't advance right, the livability reasons. the
1: walk walkability in this case of indie. so in this way your group kind of became a, a voice for this uh, strong towns uh, livability concept yeah exactly like literally what were you looking for specifically uh you know when you were reviewing plans
0: um so we were looking for you know all these uh all these plans have like site plans about um how are they going to reconstruct the sidewalks around them are they even going to put sidewalks around them are they going to be up against right against the curb on the street or is there going to be like a little grass buffer is there a slope on where there's a curb cut for a driveway, right? Are, uh-huh. are like runners gonna feel that in their knees as they run past it because there's a slope versus they stretched it back a little bit and it could be completely flat. Little things like that were very obvious on the site design, but also what is the density level? Was it a single family house versus um, a duplex versus a fourplex versus uh, many, a multi-unit? What were the finances around it? Who was paying for it? Um, you know, Follow all those leads was really
1: our interest. So, I mean, to begin, you may not even have had a notion that you would be reviewing proposals um, submitted to the city council of, of these building developments. I imagine poor friendless Jim in Indianapolis, like, <laughs> uh, you know, doodling on the internet and forming this group. I mean, how did your maturity uh, change in this period?
0: I had barely led a thing at this point, right? And I didn't even know that I could do it. Um, all I knew is I had a passion. To see some change and nobody was going to get in my way for trying at least <laughs> I, I still might have failed but uh, i was going to try but um the i think the most important thing um about this and about my story is uh formation of some of the, the leadership qualities that i think i actually did have a little bit within me but also it it developed them and it gave me um, a platform to practice them on and mm-hmm. to say you know uh, it you can imagine right it's it's a civic organization with people that are passionate and have very divergent views on exactly. things Exactly, not everyone
1: agrees with you nope.
0: on how things should be built or how things should be paid for right there's some libertarians there's some democrats there's some republicans and everything in between right and so like some people are like no i don't want to i don't want to go in that direction or we need more women in this group or we need different voices we need people that are economically challenged in this group right and all of a sudden you're like got all these different competing interests and I was not prepared for that. Uh Um, But it really forced me to take a step back and say, no, we need, we've got a core mission. We cannot do everything. We cannot be everything to everybody. I do have a vision and, but it's still very important to get like a sense for the group's vision as well and bring those together. And this is really where like I got to experiment with that. I got to try and fail and try and fail and try and fail until like I figured out some things that were working. We ended up meeting monthly um, in typically different like um, architecture firms that would donate their spaces oh, to us. Um, and I would kind of put together an agenda. And in the beginning, it was just me and then um, others participated in it. And we would um, kind of talk about... Um, highlight a project that was going on and what was significant about it. Or like maybe Strong Town's parent organization, you know, would have a significant article out there with a theme that we would camp on and bring in an expert and they would talk about this. And um, really it was like kind of like both Indianapolis and urban generic geeking out together. And it was so much fun, right? Right. And eventually we got pizza and then we, by the end, you know, we had group photos
1: and we were like, Actually, friends. <laughs> That's awesome. Is that how that happens? I didn't really know. <laughs> so yeah, as you know, software engineers, it's like uh, in, you have a certain level of control, you know, and then uh, it's nice to see people who evolve beyond that and really want to share their vision for things uh, with people. Absolutely,
0: yeah. It was quite quite inspiring. Yes, I was I was leading it, but like others brought their passion and their unique uh, value. Uh, as individuals to the group, and that was that was beautiful. In the end, that's really what that strong indie time was all about.
1: You mentioned um, specific successes and failures of this period. I wonder if you would walk us through um, you know, a challenging project that you worked on with the Strong Towns group.
0: Yeah, so uh, that's a big one, and it's still actually ongoing, um, even as I live in Chicago here. It was a project to rebuild the massive interchange of i-70 and i-65 that cuts right through the north part of the square mile like it it kind of uh, borders it to the north and then to the west and then keeps going south all the way to like atlanta or something like that um and so like these bridges these were raised bridges right built traditionally like concrete and steel and they were falling apart they really needed to be rebuilt or repurposed or something like that Mm -hmm. and so like this was challenging because, A, it was such a significant project, and it had such a deep history in the city of, of dividing it, just like every city in the U.S. that had interstates go through it. It tore apart neighborhoods,
1: right? It, yeah, it, that, that story is well known here, uh, you know, installing the highways when this was uh, back in the 50s. It used to be you, know, we could, you could walk where the, the Dan Ryan is now, so, yes, I mean, those massive projects.
0: Exactly. But even within Strong Indy, we didn't know what we really wanted from it. Did we want to completely bury the highway as um, a tunnel? Did we just want to get rid of it and do, like, we had a concept of a surface boulevard that some cities have done. So the highway just basically, like, end and go into a boulevard and maybe some roundabouts and then pick up on the, you know, southwest, uh, actually southeast corner of the city again or... Or do we just like rebuild it exactly as it is and keep the status quo? Like we didn't agree on that. So like that was the first challenge was like how as a group on this massive project that we were going to advocate for significant change, what
1: were we advocating for first? This is not even, you have any presenting ideas to the, you know, to the government or to anyone outside the group getting on the same page with all of your friends. Those were just the internal meetings
0: over beer first.
1: <laughs> and I mean, those options are gigantic, right? That's, you know, you the power to sort of change the future civilization of Indianapolis. These exactly. Different things, so.
0: And Indy really, um and Indiana really is all about the automobile first and foremost. The you know uh, Indianapolis Department of Transportation really does nothing except highways. Like they literally don't do anything else. There's no other form of transportation. So like the precedence for doing anything other than rebuilding it or
1: expanding it was very radical. I see. Yeah, so you'd have to even introduce those ideas yep. uh, to people. And I know it's just the crossroads of America. Is all. It is,
0: uh, yep. And uh, people see that around the automobile, specifically in that city, and not anything else. Certainly not walking. Certainly not biking. Certainly not public transit.
1: Um, and so, did you guys wind up having a, a proposal or a or like a direction? We
0: did, and it turns out a huge coalition formed around it um, from the neighborhoods that were directly around uh, what they called this this section of interstate was called the North Split. And so some, some of the historic neighborhoods around it and um, architectural firms and uh, just a bunch of awesome different groups came together to form a coalition of um, rebuild it right, I think was uh, was the slogan. Huh. You know, it, it, it turned out that we didn't necessarily care about all of the specifics about it, but that the... You know, the Indiana Department of Transportation considered all voices legitimately and not just the, well, we got to rebuild and we got to, we got to expand for the future because there's more cars coming oh, and yes. not even thinking about if you expand it, are you actually inducing more people to drive? Like, oh, is it a mm-hmm. self-reinforcing thing? So that was like the primary purpose of this coalition, but it was, it was very challenging. Um,
1: Did you, f- okay, well, here's a question all the needs of commerce also, I mean, uh, livability is obviously one side of the spectrum of, uh, you know, voices coming to this conversation. Do you, in considering, you know, commerce and the, they just rebuild it crowd. I mean, were you able to kind of, um, integrate that view into the proposal that you wound up?
0: Absolutely. So one of the uh, things that we suggested was, um, uh, there's a ring highway around Indianapolis called 465, right? and it stays considerably outside of it. But it does connect I-65 to I-70, and also I-74. So all the interstates that go around it. There's also I-69 to, that goes up to Michigan. But one of the main users of this was the trucking industry, right? And so, like, we were basically able to show them and get uh, a concept with them that if we were if we got to the state to fund uh, a truck only lane around four sixty five that that completely bypassed downtown and showed that it really would actually save them time even though it was slightly more in mileage, not really not that much but um
1: if you reduce the traffic then that's better on time right
0: it is, and they would have their own dedicated lane of an existing very wide highway oh. they were on board with it right they were like, yeah absolutely that's fantastic um so we were like we were making some interesting bedfellows here
1: yeah interesting this is like the whole coalition like who who is against at that point you know what I mean right did you uh, I mean give me an idea of what the venue for this discussion is is this actually happening in a council meeting or is this exchanging emails and meeting people shaking hands uh, great question because
0: uh, this is part of the maturity of the group was who do we talk to when do we talk to where do we talk to them? so you know this uh, at the beginning. This, this was very local so it was very much like a downtown thing and then it quickly expanded right there's there's commuters that come in from the suburbs in their cars like I said there's trucks there's people passing through going vacation from Chicago right down south of Florida or whatever on their spring vacation <laughs> um, so all those all of those voices uh, need to be weighed um, you know it's a hard hard cold fact that they all have different weight they're not all equal because some of us are local, or some of them, some of the people are not locals. Yeah, so I, um, I met a lot with uh, local official officials in the beginning. So, ranging from the, the Indianapolis's local Department of Public Works, that's at the city level, and getting them to think about do you really want to maintain the things around this interstate? Um, because it makes your job harder, you know? And then we talked about uh, with some of the uh, city councilors. If we buried it or got rid of the highway or made it much more of an urban street again instead of a highway, well, that that reclaims a ton of land. What's that land uh, – what's the land's value to the tax base, right? Yeah. Very significant. Not hard to get uh, local um, leaders' uh, ears to perk up about that. So right. I had lunch. I had coffee. We invited them to like – local neighborhood group meetings and stuff like that. And we invited some to even like strong indie meetings, the monthly
1: meetings. It's interesting that you're, I mean, it's all, it all happens in a venue that's kind of outside of the, the council proper. I mean, it's almost like uh, not only are you a voice for it, but you're sort of hosting the, the, this dialogue.
0: Yeah, absolutely. As I found out, at least in Indy, by the time you get to a city council meeting, you're pretty much too late. Um, if that's the first time they've heard about your ideas
1: yeah I mean what you're presenting is like uh, you think about the infrastructure around government in a bigger city like this and it feels like uh, you know who do you know and how do you even get started uh, there's so many layers and so what you're describing it's almost like an entrepreneurial uh, initiative that happens on its own power
0: very much so it uh, and that's that's I think what drew me to it so I'm I love entrepreneurial stuff. I've been a part of several, like, tech startups in the past, um, and i tried to start my own tech startup. This felt exactly like that, except in some respects, to me, it's, it was more obvious of what to do, and I could get, like, immediate um, payout, so to speak, um, to myself and to others around me and and friendships and relationships, like, immediately, without having to, like, make this elaborate tech product and figure out how I'm going to package it and manufacture it and sell it and stuff like that. Right. So it had very immediate, uh, um, uh, benefits
1: that were amazing intoxicating again. I mean, it makes sense in another way. It's like, uh, it has to wind up in government, right? Yes, very much so. But, uh, I guess articulating that voice is what the group enabled you to do. Yes. I mean, it's far, it's pretty far from like, uh, uh, sitting at your desk and crafting, you know, grousing, uh, at someone on the internet about some local news story. It sounds like you know you made a lot of progress as uh, as an organizer. Is I guess I guess what you call that? Very much so. Yeah, over all that time.
0: Yep. And you know to touch on uh, an aspect of what makes that very livable here to tie it back into the theme of the, this episode by getting really uh, involved locally for that change instead of necessarily just starting with the top like. You know, I technically could have gone to the president and said, President United States, change Indianapolis, right? Or I could have gone to the state level and say, hey, governor, right, don't build the highway right. or, or do it differently. But, you know, that's, that's not where you start. Um, movements to do change, especially when it's very, very divergent from where uh, historically a place has been, requires typically starting bottom-up grassroots, local relationship building, friendship building, coalition building, and that's exactly where we started. And it was perfect for my evolution, strong ev- uh, uh, evolution, Indianapolis' evolution together, which I think, even though like more concrete uh, wasn't uh, poured or removed or holes dug or whatever, um, the foundations, so to speak, of that in people were, were being built. And that, I think, is the first ingredient of a livable city.
1: I see. So not just, uh, you know, the final result of this highway battle, you know, notwithstanding, it was really about like creating that community of uh, the strong towns and in Indy. And now they'll have more, you know, influence and be able to change the face of Indy in the future. Absolutely. It's all about that. So Jimmy we heard, uh, we learned a bit about the history of strong Indy, you know, and, and what it means to um, evolve uh, from a nerdy software engineer to someone who can uh, make contributions at a city level. Uh, I will just say there's nothing wrong with being nerdy. <laughs> that's in part of what this is all about, I'm sure. Uh, just at a different level, but you know, here we are, and you know, the skyline is beautiful. Chicago is one of the great cities of the world, and it's different, though. I mean, it's bigger, and there's a lot of ways that it's bigger. And uh, can you expect to affect? Uh, the kind of change and involvement that you have, um, you know, on this sort of bigger stage.
0: Yeah. So as I mentioned in my intro episode, you know, I I would love to impart change on Chicago specifically. I think it's a fantastic city that I moved to for a reason. I, I have a job that where I work from home uh, all the time. So I literally could move anywhere in the world that would have me Right. That I could legally get into. And so yet I, I chose Chicago. So I'd love it to get better in ways that are important to me and I'm sure to many other folks. I have a vision that is much larger than Chicago, but applies to Chicago and applies to New York City and applies to London and applies to Shanghai. Right. right. All across. 10, and, 10. and little towns, uh, towns of 5000 people Dubuque. or less. Dubuque, Iowa. Yeah. Um, I want to create a movement, right? I want to create a movement. I want people from around the world that are passionate about changing their places that they live, changing the people that they live around to start something, be it a local movement like a strong indie, um, or just a discussion group that gets together and talks about it or reads books or something like that, or uh gets involved politically with the local leadership, whatever is needed. Um, talks to the local Department of Public Works to change how they pour sidewalks and stuff Mm -hmm. like that right anything like I just want to incite some change and start to tease out some of these specific concepts of what makes for a livable city
1: I want to get practical on what we can do so the strategy is maybe different you know it's I can see you know, that we, as a a city, Chicago is pretty mindful about itself in terms of like the urban planning aspect. There's obviously a very long history, you know, all the way since the plan. And even so, like, it's like everyone is so engaged in it that I don't think there's one meetup group that you could point to as like the one, uh, way to get involved in this way. And yet it sounds like we're not talking about, um, as kind of direct social engagement. I mean, in what way is this podcast, uh, articulate your you know your vision for uh livable cities
0: like i said uh just a moment ago it is a grander vision um and it's going to start probably some sound, somewhat sounding a little vague and i hope to quickly uh, zero in more and more thanks to guests and and some of my own thoughts over the, the the many episodes of what it is to live in a livable city and what it is to impact change to make a city or town more livable Um, But, you know, up until then, um, the sky's the limit on what you want to do. If you already have a specific vision even this early into the life of the podcast and you're already doing it, I want to hear about it, actually. Um, You could, like, get in contact with me um, with Liveable City uh, on Twitter. We've got Liveable City uh, with an underscore in between. And we also have a Facebook group that you can find under the name of livable city. If you have a story like that already, let me know and let the the greater audience know about it.
1: I have know you and I know uh, some of the urgency you feel around this. But what is it about this moment that uh, makes you feel like the livable city is important for people to understand?
0: Yeah, so like as I mentioned in the first episode, there's, there's some dire things about cities around the world and towns, right? They're struggling, they're struggling financially, they're struggling socially, they're struggling environmentally, etc. And, you know, particularly on the social front is one of my main motivators. And that in combination with just where I am in my life, I feel a sense of I want to evolve uh, ultimately what I do for my day job. I love doing stuff around cities and how cities bring or repel people towards or or against each other. And I want to explore that and I want to figure out a way to make that be what I do. So, you know, thanks to my uh, um, strong indie work um, under the Strong Towns great model and having that group and, and experimenting with Leadership and and creating stuff, and also because of my career and trying to do some tech startup stuff, I feel like I know how to create stuff now, and I know how to effectively lead people and organize people uh, more or less. It's never perfect. I think now is a perfect time to explore all those together.
1: Get it started. Is it uh, is it, is in what way is the podcast like the best medium? Uh, for this kind of call to action,
0: yeah. So I love podcasts personally. So there's a little bit of a uh, inherent bias in that. It's a growing medium. I don't have the stats off the top of my head, but it's growing like crazy. A lot of people are starting to listen to podcasts. You could you could say podcasts are starting to go mainstream. Like even like advertisers um, are starting to pick up on that fact, and um, and you can earn some money around that in having a podcast and having some ads interlaced in there. So I think it's a great medium to explore your topic, to have some experts on, to collect some relevant information.
1: um, and Also to to connect with people, you know, like-minded people who may be curious. Exactly.
0: Yeah, yeah. And not everybody's into like just reading a blog or um, doing a, a local meetup or something like that. So podcasts are great for just... You know, having on your iPhone or your Android phone and uh, popping in your headphones and going for a walk or a drive or whatever, and and listen in and right. and be impacted and kind of feel the emotion of of the host or the guest.
1: Right. Yeah, we have a strong tradition here of uh, you know the radio side, uh, and it's nice that it's so democratized everything uh, this podcast. So I, for one, I'm, I'm super jazzed to see how this uh, how this takes shape, which I'm, I'm really. You know very interested to see who what kind of uh, interviews and encounters you can uh, curate you know through this medium. I don't know what's what's next. Give me a, give me a give me a view.
0: Yeah, great question. So uh, the way I see it is um, I'm gonna start out with a format of interviewing some interesting people, kind of like how Alan interviewed me today. Uh-huh. Um, and I hope to develop even some maybe set types of baseline questions that I always ask. I think that's always interesting. And you can kind of compare how somebody answers a question that's very relevant um, from episode to episode. So, if you have an idea for what some of those questions should be, what you would like to hear, uh, again, get in contact with me via Twitter or the, the Facebook group. Uh, that'd be great. Yeah. So, so guest interviews, um, and I really want to start by exploring again what is what is Louisville City in the context of what my guest is particularly into right so if they're a city planner what does that mean to them if they're a resident that lives down the street of a, a single family home but still very um, walkable neighborhood what does that mean to them and so like that diversity of opinion on um a livable city uh livable cities and towns i want to collect that
1: uh makes sense and we'll be looking forward to the next episode What uh, time frame are we talking about here jen yeah,
0: so we're, we're going to be bi-weekly to start with, so that's uh, every two weeks. We'll come out with a new episode. Uh, I haven't picked my release date yet, but uh, you, you'll all be aware of that very soon. And you'll be able to find this podcast wherever uh, you, you typically listen to podcasts from. So from the Apple uh, iTunes podcast store or Google Play Store or whatever, um, you should be able to find this podcast everywhere. So definitely listen in, uh, subscribe. And let's also start the conversation going on Twitter again and on the Facebook group. I'd love to hear from you.
1: Super sounds good, Jay.
0: Thank you so much for listening to this first episode. It means so very much to me. I realize this is a work in progress and I really don't know that much of what I'm doing yet on this podcast, but I wanted to reflect on this a little bit with you. I have very big ambitions for this, but I realize I've got to start somewhere. I've just got to start by making this podcast and getting some episodes out there. And where we go from here, I have some ideas, but I really don't know. And that means that it's a perfect opportunity for you to get involved and to help shape this with me. If you're interested in that and helping in any way, please let me know. Um, You can get a hold of me in the Facebook group which should be attached to the show notes for this episode. And uh, you can get in touch with me on uh, our Twitter handle as well, livable city. So thank you so much for bearing with me as I figure this thing out and where we go from here. It's anybody's guess, but I'm really excited to figure it out.